Coming up next, the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, episode 20-13. Salvation in English has one meaning, but in Hebrew, it has a different meaning. We're going to look at salvation from a Hebraic perspective. Stay with us. We'll talk about Yeshua or Jesus and the concept of salvation. Ancient Roads. This is the podcast of Ancient Roads. Real Israel Talk Radio. Take me home. Join us for the next hour as we explore and discover insights into the ancient Jewish and Hebraic ways of understanding and interpreting the Bible's lessons and narratives. Now, here's our host, Avi Ben Mordechai. Welcome once again to another podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio. This is Avi Ben Mordechai. And uh, I want to take a look at this idea of Hebraic salvation. We addressed a lot of the ideas on the last podcast, and this is uh, part two now where we're going to uh, get into a little bit more about this idea as it relates to Yeshua, his name, and what he came to do, what he came to accomplish. So let's go ahead and dive right in and find some of the answers to our questions by looking at his name. Now, last time we were addressing the issue of salvation from Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 29, where it reads, Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by Jehovah, the shield of your help. The shield of your help. And uh, we were tying that together with the idea of Baruch HaBashem Yehovah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of Yudhe And we were tying that in with Peter or Kepha's uh, speech that he was giving uh, there in Jerusalem, probably on the southern steps of the uh, uh, archaeological site there at the Temple Mount, and uh, Kepha was standing in the midst of a very, very large crowd, and it is recorded in the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 38 through 40, that uh, Kepha said to the large group gathered around to hear his words, he said, repent and let every one of you be immersed or baptized in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Ruach HaKodesh, that is, the spirit belonging to the Holy One, also understood in English to be the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your sons or your children and to all who are afar off, as many as Jehovah, our Elohim, or our God will call. And then he went on to say, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. 
So on the last podcast, I was bringing up the issue of what repentance really refers to. Repentance is the idea of replying to Jehovah when he puts out a call. So he calls to us by name. He says, I want you. And uh, he wants to make uh, his salvation known to each one of us. So he puts out a call for us. And whether we hear or not is really the focus of what it means to repent. So if we hear his voice, we will then make a turn. We'll turn around. We'll come to him, respond and reply to his call and go a different direction. What is the direction that we're going? It is going to be away from the Yetzirah Tophirah, that is, away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is found in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to go away from that tree and away from that mixture of good and evil, which I will address in a future podcast. And when we go away from it, we are turning from our entanglement, our connection, our linkage to that particular tree and what it represents as a teaching. And really, I would say even more than a teaching, it is something that is actually very real because it connects to our spiritual and physical DNA. That is, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it enmeshes us. It ties us together in a, a, a very uh, powerful uh, connection um, so that it turns us physically and spiritually into slaves serving a master. The master is that tree, whatever that tree would represent, whatever it means, that's what it means. But I'm not talking about the tree in and of itself. I'm talking about what it represents. It represents a master to us. We become the slaves. That tree becomes our master. And so that idea of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is our linkage. That tree is what we are connected to. We are linked to it. We are enmeshed into it. We're twisted up and bound to it. And we can't get out except through the work of Yeshua, the Messiah. And that's what I addressed on part of the podcast last time. So when Kepha, when Peter says, be saved from this perverse generation, he is referring to a crooked, twisted, and distorted generation. And it's not that that generation in Peter's day was the one that was twisted and distorted and crooked. Not at all. We are all twisted, crooked, and distorted, and it goes that way all the way back to the Garden of Eden, because that's where it all began in Genesis chapter 3. We have to be saved from that perverse generation, which is a generation of humanity, 
what I would call the human condition, being linked to, being twisted, and generationally cursed in the flesh with that tree. And there is nothing any of us can do to clear ourselves from that tree, to get disentangled from it, to get disconnected from that tree. There is nothing we can do, not even keeping all the laws of Moses in the Torah. The Torah is the roadmap. It points us into the path of understanding and appreciating and loving what the Messiah has done for us. Therefore, we obey and keep and guard the Torah for the purpose of understanding and appreciating and entering into that covenant that Yeshua made for us. That's why we do Torah It is not done away with. On the contrary, the Torah is extremely important because without it, we do not know and we have no connection to understanding what the kingdom of heaven is all about. So the Torah is a very, very important part of our everyday lives. Rightly so, it should be because it is showing us who our king is and showing us what the kingdom of heaven is all about. So now we're going to continue on with this idea of salvation. Now, the Hebrew word or the root for the term salvation in English, the Hebrew root is ayud, sheen, and ein. Ayud, sheen, and ein. It is a three-lettered root, and it literally refers to being saved or being helped or being delivered. Salvation, help, deliverance. And from that root, we're going to get the Hebrew word or the Hebrew name, Yeshua. Yeshua. Because his name refers to salvation. He saves. Who saves? Yehovah saves. Yahweh saves. Yudhe saves. That is, we are not saving ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot extricate ourselves from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We need correction. We need salvation. We need deliverance. We need a lot of things. And we're going to get it through Yeshua. It will not be based on what we do. It is going to be based on what he does. So I'm going to take this a step further and talk a little bit more about this idea of salvation from Genesis chapter 49, verse 18, and coming from the New King James Version of the Bible in that translation, it says, I have waited for your salvation, O Yehovah. But now I want to read to you from the Targum, that is the Jerusalem Targum, which was a translation and even more so uh, an interpretation 
on that passage from Genesis chapter 49, verse 18, and it dates way back before Yeshua by several hundred years, and it was uh, spoken in this way. This was how the ancients understood that statement from Genesis 49. So the translation of that one passage turns into something a little bit more lengthy in the Jerusalem Targum. And it says this, Our father Jacob said, My soul hath not waited for the redemption of Gidon bar Yoash, which is for an hour, nor for the redemption of Shimshon, but for the redemption which you have said in thy word shall come for thy people, the sons of Israel. For this Thy redemption, my soul, has waited. Again, for this, thy redemption, or your redemption, my soul has waited. So the idea of your word coming for your people and your land is going to be referenced here in Genesis 49:18 from the Jerusalem Targum that speaks about this idea of the word and in Aramaic that is going to be the term memra memra and you need to become familiar with that word because it's Aramaic and it shows up Many, 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 many times, all through the scriptures, in the translations, the Aramaic texts of the Hebrew Bible. This is an important idea. So let's talk about this and realize that the redemption that was spoken of, the redemption that was waited upon, they knew back then that it was going to come through the promised chosen one, the Messiah. They were looking for the coming of Messiah, and they knew that he would come, and he would be a final and complete redemption, a buyback from being sold to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, being sold to sin and death in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil back in Genesis chapter 3. We were sold, or to put it more colloquially, we were thrown under the tree by Adam and his wife when they partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when Yah said, don't eat of that tree, and they ate of it, we inherited their decree of sin and their decree of death. We inherited both of those. And that is what came into us. We became corrupted over thousands of years down line from Adam and his woman, his wife, in Genesis chapters 2 and 3. That became our physical, and spiritual entanglement to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Therefore, we needed that redemption. We need redemption. We cannot have any access to the kingdom of heaven, or if you will, the Garden of Eden, without going through a redemption. And there is only one way we can get a redemption, a, a lasting redemption, and that is through the Redeemer, the Messiah. And all those people way back in that 
time of uh, the writing of Targum Jerusalem. They understood that back then. It's today's Judaism that has a problem with it. But way back in our ancient writings, they didn't have a problem with it. They understood what was coming down line. They knew what was going to come. Many of them did. And so I think we're going to see many of these souls there on the final day of the last day resurrection. And we will rejoice with them because they were waiting for that same redemption that we now look back upon. They were looking forward to. That's how it was understood. Okay. So if you want to tie that together, this idea of salvation, you could go to Leviticus 26.12. Leviticus 26.12. We'll read it from the JPS Hebrew translation to English. It reads as follows. And I will walk among you and will be your God and you shall be my people. Again, let me repeat that. And I will walk among you and I will be your God and you shall be my people. Now, in the Targum Ankalos, that is another version of the Aramaic Targumim, or the translations of the Hebrew text into Aramaic, so that they too could understand what was being said, in that Targum it reads as follows, And I will make my Shekinah, I will make my Shekinah, or my Shekinah, as some might pronounce it, I will make my Shekhinah to dwell among you, and I will be to you Eloha, and you shall be a people before me or in front of me. That's how it would be understood from Targum Ankalos. Okay? I will make my Shekhinah to dwell among you, and I will be to you Eloah, or Elohim, and you shall be a people before me. So that takes the Leviticus 26.12 and gives it more more meaning, more uh, understanding. It brings some more animation to the understanding of the words. So given that, we now need to know who was Yeshua. Now, when we say Yeshua, it is obviously his Hebrew name. His name was Yeshua. Now, the Greek has given us the word Jesus, and that is the name that is known among many, many hundreds and hundreds of millions of people. But the Hebrew word, the Hebrew name is Yeshua. Yeshua. But I'm not going to deal with all this linguistic stuff and and why it is Jesus and why this and why. I'm not going to deal with that. I am presently more interested in focusing on what Yeshua came to do rather than getting bogged down in all the linguistics of, well, his name is this, his name is that, he means this, he means that, why are you saying this and not that? And I just don't want to go there. We want to simply understand that when we say Yeshua, Yeshua, 
We are learning to accurately say his physical, material name. This was the name that he would have been understood by. But that really is a shortened version. The real name that he had was Yehoshua, Yehoshua ben Yosef. Yehoshua ben Yosef, or if you want to put it this way, Joshua, son of Joseph. That was his real-life, everyday name. But Yeshua was kind of like a, a little nickname. It was a shortened version, kind of like saying Bill instead of William, or Bob instead of Robert. So whether somebody is thinking and speaking from New Testament Greek, or thinking and speaking from Tanakh Hebrew, okay, look, People say what they say based on what they understand from the texts that they're reading and from their culture. And we have a lot of different cultures going around, even today, that have different ways of saying things. And I don't think that we should be getting all bogged down. Just let's teach the truth and let the truth stand for what it is. So, I'm going to be calling him Yeshua because Yeshua or Yehoshua, Joshua, he was the salvation, the promised redeemer for all Israel. That's who he was. And he was sent for a very specific reason. So the question that I want to ask here is who exactly was this Yeshua personality in the context of salvation, in the context of what salvation refers to? It's all coming out of the Second Temple period, uh, and there was a meaning for this idea back then, and the people were looking forward Prior to his coming, they were looking forward and waiting for a redeemer that would fit the pattern, fit the personality and the characteristics of the promised coming redeemer. For many Jewish people today, sadly, unfortunately, they have been um, brainwashed. I hate to say that, but they have. They've been brainwashed into giving Yeshua a different name, a different meaning. Jewish people have been taught to refer to Yeshua by the word Yeshki. Sometimes they might also call him Yoshki. You know, and it's really derogatory. And uh, they also will call him Yeshu. Yeshu. Now, of course, these names are meant to be very degrading and highly derogatory, but that's what they're saying. They're not going to call him Yeshua because that would be bringing way too much honor in their minds, and they're simply not going to do that. So they listen to their religious leaders, and the religious leaders have these little derogatory nicknames that they give Yeshua, and they'll call him by these terms. But I want to focus on the term Yeshu because it is, in fact, a modern Jewish Orthodox acronym for the Hebrew phrase Yimach 
Shemo Vazikro. Now I'm saying this for a very specific reason, because the term is very well known in modern Jewish orthodoxy, and it refers to the statement Yimach, which means may he be blotted out or erased. The next word is Shmo, that is his name, and the third word is Vazikro, that is, and his memory. So in other words, by saying Yeshu, what they're saying is, may his name and his memory be blotted out. It's really quite derogatory, and it has a real degrading characteristic to it. Let's come back and talk more about Yeshua, the Redeemer, that we can have true salvation and redemption, which is a disentanglement from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and talk more about our salvation in Yeshua. You are listening to Avi Ben Mordechai and the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, episode 20-13. Welcome back to the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio. Join us as we continue to explore and discover insights into the ancient Jewish and Hebraic ways of understanding and interpreting the Bible's lessons and narratives. Once again, here's your host, Avi Ben Mordechai. Okay, we're back and into the second half of our hour program. And I am Avi ben Morchai. This is Ancient Roads Real Israel Talk Radio. And we're talking about the idea of the Redeemer and salvation in our Redeemer. That is the one who is called Yeshua. So let's get back to this Hebrew root that identifies Yeshua's name, Yeshua being Yud Shin Ein, that is the root of his name, Yud Shin Ein. It refers to he will save, he will deliver, he will save, he will show us our help. Help, deliverance, salvation from what? From the Genesis 3 conundrum. From the Genesis chapter 3 conundrum. That's the point that we got sold into. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the Yetzadato Virah, with its rotten, poisonous fruit of the tree of sin and death. Sin and death comes out of that tree, and we need deliverance from that tree. Okay? So we all talk about the idea of a deliverance ministry. Let me tell you something. We all need deliverance. We all need to be delivered. Because in Hebrew, the word liver is kaved, kaved. And the Hebrew word kavod in Hebrew is glory. So we get the idea that the liver is kaved, it's heavy, because glory is heavy. 
Glory is so heavy, it's like a liver. It's very, very thick. It's heavy. It's a heavy glory. And so when we say kaved, we're saying liver, and I'm going to say we need to be delivered, that is, stripped of our own glory and given the glory of Yehovah, to be given the glory of Yudhevavhe. That's the glory we want. We want the glory of Messiah, not our own glory, not my glory. His glory and his name will be on us. And when we go into him, he gives us his kavod, which is kaved. That is his heaviness. We get his glory in place of our own glory. So in this idea of the Yud Shin Ein Hebrew root, which means salvation, help and deliverance. Baked into that three-letter Hebrew root is the idea of needing salvation, needing help, needing deliverance. And I previously expressed it, that in our material world, you know, it's, it's always nice to have a little help, especially when life sometimes gets, you know, just a little bit overwhelming and challenging. It's always nice for us to say, hey, can you give me a little bit of help? Especially you wives, you say to your husband or your boyfriend, hey, can you you give me a little help here? Okay, we're always looking for a little help. Help is a beautiful thing. Well, help, deliverance, salvation is a very beautiful thing when it is given to us by Yehovah because there is a spiritual world that is surrounding us. It is unseen, but it is nonetheless a spiritual world. Unseen, but very, very beautiful. And that unseen world has a tremendous amount of life teeming in it. Back in the ancient days of the Jewish Second Temple period, and it starts with Ezra and Nehemiah, and it goes until the time when the temple is destroyed in 70 under Roman Emperor Vespasian or Vespasianus and his son Titus, General Titus. So, How are we able to obtain salvation? Salvation from what? Deliverance from what? From the connection to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. From the connection to our entanglement physically and spiritually through DNA. That's right. I think it's a physical and spiritual connection through our DNA. That is what makes up our genome. That's what makes us who we are in the body and in the spirit. And we have a genome that goes back to the Garden of Eden when the tree of the knowledge of good and evil became our new master. And therefore we are producing nothing more than sin and death in our lives until we come to know who our Redeemer is. 
And our Redeemer accomplishes for us what we cannot accomplish for ourselves. He gives us what we need through Him, through His work, His name, His help. That help, that deliverance, that salvation comes through what Yeshua accomplished by going to the cross, the Roman execution stake, dying on the third day, on the third day, rising from the second death, which is a second temple period idea that takes into account the Hebrew teaching of mot Temut which is the Hebrew phrase found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. So they knew about the second death. It's also mentioned in Revelation chapter 2, verse 11. Revelation chapter 20, verses 12 to 15. It's also mentioned in Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. And also John, Yohanan, chapter 5, verses 26 through 28. Yeshua knew about it, and there's so many places all through the Hebrew Scriptures and also through the Brihadashah, the New Testament, where this idea is continually put out there for us to understand and learn. This is the second death that Yeshua suffered on our behalf. That's what he resurrected from on the third day. He went into the second death. So relax. I'll get to it in a future podcast. We'll talk about all the details of this idea. Okay? So we need help, deliverance, and salvation from the second death and from our slavery unto sin and death in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is, from the poison fruit that comes from and is derived from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So Yeshua's name is derived from the three-lettered Hebrew root, Yud Shin Ein, which gives us the hope of His glory. The hope of His glory in our lives. So in short, again, I must stress, we need salvation, help, and deliverance from the conundrum that occurred in the Garden of Eden regarding the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 2 verse 9, where it reads from the New King James Version, and out of the ground, Yehovah Elohim made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life, in Hebrew, Etz Achaim, Etz Achaim, was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that is the Etz Verah. And Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 through 17. And Jehovah Elohim commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of him, 
literally of him, not it, you shall surely die. That's the teaching of motamut, or in dying, you will die. That's two deaths. And I believe this is an entanglement of spiritual and physical corruption. This is a DNA genome. It is the entanglement to the corruption of physical life and spiritual life that was passed down to each one of us, folks, and we don't get out of the game. It follows us right into our birth, right into our life, and it will follow us right into leaving this world into the second death if we don't get disentangled. So, our inheritance from Adam and Eve, our inheritance from Adam and Eve is going to be based on what they gave to us. For this, I want to turn to Psalm 139, verse 15. I will praise you, says the psalmist, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. Or if you want to put it this way, wonderful are your works. It's from the root Pe Lamed and Aleph, Pe Lamed Aleph, or Pele. That's the idea of wonderful or marvelous because that's another word for Mashiach or Messiah. So wonderful or marvelous are your works, your actions, that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. Now listen to this. And skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Do you understand that? We were wrought or woven in the lowest parts of the earth. That's why we need to go up. That's why the Hebrew texts of the Hebrew Bible talk about Aliyah. We must go up. We cannot go down any further. We're already down. We need to go up. We need to make our way upward because we are already woven in the lowest parts of the earth. So we need to be raised so that we can go to the upper parts of the kingdom of heaven. That is what the purpose of the resurrection is all about. So Yeshua, knowing this, understanding the whole conundrum, the whole problem, the whole mess that Adam and Eve got us into. We're going to now turn to John chapter 8, verse 21, and we'll go through verse 24. This is Yeshua speaking to the religious leaders of his day, that is the Purushim, the Pharisees. He says, I am going away. And you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said to him, that's the religious leaders, those who were studying Torah, learning it, studying it, talking about it. 
They were making their lives so holy and perfect by keeping the laws of Moses, or so they thought. They were the ones who said to him in a reply, Will he kill himself? Because he says, Where I go, you cannot come. And here is Yeshua's response. Look at it carefully. You are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. So right here, we have an understanding that there are two worlds. There is an upper world and a lower world. And we are born into the lower world. That's why we need to go to the upper world. That's where the kingdom of heaven is. So here is Yeshua's final statement to them. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Notice he says it twice. He says, you will die in your sins. If you don't believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. That was a poetic way of him identifying the two aspects of death from Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. He was saying, you will die in your sins. That's mot, mot. That's the physical first death. And then he goes on to say, if you do not accept, believe, or copy me, have my face on your face, which is the idea of what it means to believe in Hebrew thought. If you don't believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. That is the idea of tamut, tamut. It is a second death. And it's spiritual. So he is making it very clear to these religious people who follow all the rules and traditions and the teachings right to an exacting standard. He says, I don't care who you are or what you say you are. If you do not accept me, you are not only going to die a physical death, you are going to die a spiritual death as well. I don't want to wish that on anybody. That does not sound good. That does not end well. Believe me, in Scripture, it does not end well. So now we turn to John chapter 3, verse 3. Here is Yeshua speaking to one of the religious leaders one of the well-known religious leaders of the day, back in that time frame, that was Nicodemus, or Nico, or Nachdemon, Nachdemon. Yeshua says to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born from above, born from above, compare that, to Psalm 139, verse 15, where the psalmist says that we are skillfully woven or wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. 
But Yeshua says, unless one is born from above, that is reborn, that is reconceived, you have to get born from above. Unless that happens, he cannot see the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Elohim. That's what he said. Now, go to Galatians 4.26. Galatians 4.26. Paul, in writing about Galatians and writing to the Galatians, talks about this Jerusalem above, and he says, the Jerusalem above is free. And then he goes on to say, who is the mother of us all? You see, mothers give birth. A mother, in this case, is the Shekinah, Shekinah, or the Shekinah. That is the Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit belonging to the Holy One. That is the feminine concept of Yeshua's salvation. It is what's in Yeshua. The spirit is like a mother. The Spirit gives birth to us. When we look to Yeshua and look above, He grants us the decree of justness or righteousness. So therefore, the Jerusalem above is free. She is the mother of us all because we believe. Now go to Exodus, Shemot, chapter 19, verse 20. Read this. Then Yudhe came down upon Mount Sinai, Har Sinai, on the top of the mountain. And what happened there? Yehovah called Moses, Moshe, to the top of the mountain, and Moshe went up. So that is the metaphor for your resurrection, for your born from above status of your decree of new life. We are walking as Moses walked. We go to the top of the mountain. He calls us to the top. We reply. That's what leads us to the reply or what is called teshuva or repentance to turn around and go up instead of going down. You don't want to go down. You want to go up, but you want to go up to him. But in order to go up to him, you have to go down because you cannot go up until you first recognize who you are and what you are in the reality of where you live here in the below, in the status of Jerusalem below. So Paul makes a reference to this idea in Galatians chapter 4. That's why he says that Jerusalem is in slavery with her children. See, that's like Jerusalem is a mother giving birth to her children. And those children, those daughters, are the metaphor of what Ezekiel talks about when he speaks about Ohola and Oholeva. He speaks about these two daughters of Jerusalem. That is the religious system that he's talking about. So we now come over here to Psalm 137 verses 4 through 6. 
How shall we sing Yehovah's song in a foreign land? What is the foreign land? We're living in a foreign land. So the metaphor of the exile of all of Yehuda, the Jews, to Babylon, that's a metaphor, folks. It's telling us, it's teaching us, it's showing us about our own exile away from the land. What land? The land above, the kingdom of heaven above. So therefore, the psalmist says, if I forget you, O Jerusalem, here's the metaphor, let my right forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I do not ascend towards Jerusalem above the head of my joy. I'm looking at it in Hebrew, and that's how I read it. Let my right forget his skill if I do not ascend towards Jerusalem above, comma, pause, head of my joy. This is about Jerusalem above in Psalm 137, 4 through 6, matching with the ideas from Exodus 19:20 and Galatians 4:26 and John 3:3 3, 3, and John 8:21 through 24 and Psalm 139 verse 15. They're all saying the same thing, folks. I'll come back on the next podcast and I'm going to talk about the adoption principle of this salvation that has been given to us through Yeshua HaMashiach, Yeshua the Messiah. It's an adoption principle, and Paul talks about it. And if you want to know what adoption is and why we need it in the spiritual sense of the word, then join us for the next podcast, and we'll bring some more of these things to light. Stay true. Because it's not how you begin that gets your salvation. It's how you end. 